0: Galnet News Digest, 2nd of February 3307. We read the news, so you don't have to. In this week's news, Serene Scandal rocks empire. Taking advantage of miners. Poking the Thargoids. All you ever wanted to know about vehicles. Serene Harbour Scandal set to Rock Empire. Which is the bigger scandal? That the Imperial Internal Security Service is using unlicensed secret torture facilities in a system outside Empire jurisdiction? That the torture facility allowed dangerous Neo-Marlinist terrorists to escape? Or that someone of high rank and security clearance within the Empire appears to be implicated? On Thursday last week, a mayday call was received by Commander Elsa Solomon. This is an emergency broadcast on all frequencies from Serene
1: Harbour.
0: It was only a fragment, but it was clearly a distress call. A search was started immediately for the source of this mysterious message. There was little to go on other than that the source of the message was an uninhabited system within 80 light-years of Swoils XX-DC1-30. A few hours later, a second intercepted message was reported. Welcome to Serene Harbour. 56 decimal, 4 latitude, negative 8 decimal,
1: 3 longitude, theta 7.
0: With thousands of commanders searching all the star systems within a bounded volume of 2.1 million cubic light years, it was a relatively and surprisingly short time before the source of the transmissions was identified. By the time the second message was received, commanders were already investigating the now abandoned prison camp, which is in the RCRA sector AF AD42 system on planet B3. From the information left behind, it appears that a group of NMLA terrorists were transferred to the camp on Wednesday, the 20th of January, for secret torture and interrogation before a show trial and public execution back in Achenar. This group of prisoners, codenamed Theta, and particularly their leader Theta-7, is believed to be behind the NMLA Thargoid Enzyme bomb-making factory in Federal System LTT-1935, a facility that has not yet been found. It seems highly likely that these were the terrorists who had previously killed the nine martyrs of Kepler Orbital to save them from interrogation by the IISS. The group proved resistant to normal interrogation techniques. So, some advanced equipment was ordered in. Early on the morning of Tuesday, the 26th of January, as the shuttle carrying that neurosensory amplifier arrived, all the prison camp systems went offline, releasing the prisoners. But worse was to come. The Imperial Guard escort that arrived on the supply ship had also been infiltrated by the terrorists. They massacred everyone in the facility, guards and prisoners alike, except for the Theta group who are believed to have escaped on the shuttle. This is a massively embarrassing incident for the Imperial Internal Security Service. Prison systems could only have been taken offline and the supply ship hijacked by terrorists if the IISS had been infiltrated. The very existence of an illegal torture camp is something the Emperor could not want to be publicly known and known and highly dangerous terrorists have escaped from Imperial custody, creating concerns that more starports may be targeted by enzyme bomb attacks. Whichever way this plays out, it's undeniable that the Empire's illegal and unreliable torture techniques, coupled with treason from within, have once again put lives at risk.
1: Taking advantage of miners Several alleged cases of modern-day slavery have been reported, with new commanders forced to work for a pittance while their overseer makes a fortune from their labour. The story, as yet unconfirmed, is that new commanders are befriended by a more experienced commander who lends them money to kit out a small mining ship with a short jump range. They are then lured onto the experienced commander's fleet carrier who jumps to a remote system and forces them to mine void opals or penite or whatever the current fashion may be, and to sell the refined commodity to the carrier for a fraction of what it's worth on the open market. The indentured commanders cannot escape because they have no fuel scoop, and they end up making the fleet carrier owner rich while they eke out a bare subsistence, having to buy all their outfitting and maintenance from the fleet carrier shop. If this sort of behaviour tells us one thing, it's that capitalism is alive and well in the galaxy. The Empire is proud of those who displayed the initiative to recruit their own little band of helpers. It's just like Imperial Slaves, only its commanders. The Noobstranders are performing a useful service, giving the new commanders an important lesson in life about accepting sweets from strangers and about how the people who provide the labour are not the people who make the money. The Galactic Police have been informed of the registration numbers of three fleet carriers, but are powerless to act as no crime has been committed. So remember kids, never take rides from strangers. Especially if they give you a pickaxe and a hard
0: hat with a light on it. Poking the Thoragoids The Buckyball Racing Club has decided to further the cause of the Anti-Xeno Initiative by making the Thargoids so angry that they attack again. The way the tedious Time Trial Tearaways plan to achieve this nail in the coffin of galactic peace is by encouraging its members to infiltrate the Thargoid surface bases, or crash motherships, or whatever they are, and scan the mysterious Thargoid structures at their heart. This work is allegedly being carried out on behalf of Canon Interstellar Research. However, when we approached a representative from Canon, all he'd talk about was something called Gnosis Unnatural Cheese. So it's unclear whether the time trial has Canon's blessing. It certainly does not have the blessing of Tharg the Mighty, and hostile her predictions are a certainty. The buckyballers claim you need a Thargoid sensor to get into the Thargoid ground bases, which wasn't the case last time Galnet News Digest sent a reporter out to check. In any case, not collecting a Thargoid sensor to carry around will get you disqualified, and carrying one will make you an instant enemy of any Thargoids you meet. We'll see what fallout there is when the time trial finishes on Valentine's Day, 14th of February. We're predicting there won't be any love lost that day between humans and Thargoids. Meanwhile, the Anti-Xeno Initiative has launched a range of wearable anti-Thargoid propaganda, prompting Simguru Pranavantal to launch a competing range of, Surrender to the Thargoids as long as we've uploaded our consciousnesses to the Sim Archive first, leisure wear. One of the ranges of clothing is not expected to catch on. All you ever wanted to know about
1: vehicles? We're almost out of time for this bulletin, but we have just enough time to tell you everything you need to know about vehicles. Can you drive your SRV over pedestrians? Will it hurt or even kill them? Absolutely, on both counts. Can ship launch fighters be used against ground targets? Yes! Will the ship HUD be changing? No! Will ships be able to drop anti-personnel bombs or missiles? Nothing you don't already have in your ship's arsenal. How will night vision work? You'll be able to see at night. If I'm flying a ship, can I lock on to someone on foot on a planet? No. If I am on foot, can I lock on to someone flying a huge great ship above me? With some weapons, yes. Can we engineer our SRVs? No, you can't. Can we jump out of a hovering ship? No, you can't. If there are three commanders in a ship, can one fly a ship launch fighter while the other two land and then one deploys an SRV and the other exits the ship on foot? Well, yes, that's exactly what you can do. Apart from the SRV, will we get any new sorts of surface vehicle? And that's the end of this week's Q&A. Join us next week for more detailed answers. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.